You're listening to the Sojourn Montrose Sermon Podcast. To get connected at Sojourn Montrose, visit our website, sojournmontrose.org. Well, so last week, if you were here, Marshall walked us through this teaching about judgment, right? Um, the, the, you should not judge others. Um, I want us to remember what we drew out of his teaching, right? Essentially embedded in the call to not judge is a call to uh, reflect on yourself. It's a call to self-examination. Notice the log in your eye before you point out the speck in another's. That's what, that's what Jesus said, meaning, meaning we should acknowledge our own sin before we, um, before we call out other people's sin. And so primarily it's a call to humility and reflection, and as Marshall said, it's, it, it's Jesus calling us to judge uh, wisely without being judgmental. So it's a call to change our posture, really. And in today's text, uh, Jesus didn't stop before this part and say, okay, new section, uh, know a tree by its fruit, and then continue. It was one continued teaching. Um, so today's text really carries on the teaching that Jesus it is the, the point that Jesus is making, right? It's a call for self-examination at its root. Uh, so let's read it again. In light of what we remember last week, right? The call to self-examination, Jesus says, For no good tree bears bad fruit, nor again does a bad tree bear good fruit. For each tree is known by its own fruit. For figs are not gathered from thorn bushes, nor are grapes picked from a bramble bush. The good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good. And the evil person out of his evil treasure produces evil, for out of the abundance of the heart his mouth speaks. So the first thing I think we should notice if, we're, um, if we've been reading the Bible for any amount of time, or if you haven't, um, you should know that gardening and, and just trees in general, gardening is a theme throughout the entire Bible. Um, God frequently uses a gardening metaphor to illustrate things like growth, like flourishing, or the opposite, right? Sometimes he uses it to show what's not flourishing, what's not growing. We should remember that God created the whole system of vegetation globally, starting with the Garden of Eden and continuing even to now. Creation breathes plant life, and, and every simple trip to the park for you should show you something about the truth of God. And even more than this, God's kingdom is a garden, it's a garden that will overtake eventually the wilderness. So the garden language directly points to God and it points to his kingdom. And so the language of fruit here is no different, right? Jesus' goal isn't to be cryptic. Actually, the opposite. I think Jesus uses farming metaphors and God uses farming language so often because it spoke to the lowest in society. Everybody got it, right? The, the poor in society, the farmers... Uh, you didn't need to be a Jewish scholar to really understand what Jesus is talking about here. He's talking about bearing fruit, good works. But we do have a responsibility to dig and fully understand what Jesus is talking about, right? We do have to do a little bit of research and, and pull together what Jesus is holistically saying in all of his word. And so let's start by understanding what, what, what is Jesus talking about when he says uh, fruit, in this passage. What, what does that mean? I think Galatians and Hebrews tell us simply that, that fruit is what we say and how we say it and what we do and how we do it. Hebrews 13, 15 says this, 
Through him, then, let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God that is the fruit of lips that acknowledge his name. So fruit is something that is produced by our lips. It's the words that we speak. It's how we speak them. And and really, Hebrews says that the author of Hebrews would argue that the primary fruit of our mouth should be worship and praise and adoration of God. We should speak his name in worship. But it's also what we do, right? We know the famous passage in Galatians, the fruits of the Spirit, Galatians 5.22 says this, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against things there is no such law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires and, and produced these fruits. So the fruit plays out in how we speak and what we speak, but it also plays out in how we act and what we do, um, how we treat each other and our neighbors. They indicate the manner in which we should live our lives, right? Not, not hate and grumbling, but with love and joy, with peace, not restlessness, patience, not hurried or rushed, kindness and goodness, not harshness, faithfulness, not fickleness. Gentle, not cutting. Self-controlled, not belligerent. So Jesus is calling us to self-awareness regarding the fruit that we bear. What kind of posture do we have? What is the tone of our speech? So the question is then, okay, if, if these are the things that we're supposed to bear as, as trees, this is the fruit that we're supposed to bear, how do we go about bearing it? How do we go about cultivating it? And so, I think this is why the metaphor is helpful, right? I uh, admittedly really enjoy gardening. I really enjoy tending to houseplants. It's kind of like a puzzle that we get to figure out. Um, and I always find it odd, forgive me if this is you in the room, but I always find it odd when people say, I, I have a black thumb, right? Like people are saying, and when they say that, they say they can't keep plants alive. Um, or they say like every plant I own ends up dying eventually, and I get it. Some people just aren't good at taking plants. But at the end of the day, we're talking about sun, water, and soil, like three inputs. And at the end of the day, we're talking about something that nature does always on its own without any human intervention all over the world. So I'm not trying to condemn you if that's you in the room. It's more complicated than that, but just let me play out the illustration. Um, It is more complicated than that. There's like pH that you could get involved with in figuring out the acidity of, so it's not, it's not just simple, but, but also it is pretty simple. It, it, the way those inputs are input determines what comes out, right? So if we give the tree the right soil, the right water, and the right sun, fruit will be, it will appear, it just grows. So what are the inputs needed then, if that's as simple as the tree is? What, are the, what is Jesus saying the inputs should be for our fruit? What are the inputs in the Christian life that help us become healthy trees? Well, the, the verse continues and says we need to fill our hearts so in its abundance it overflows with the fruit of the Spirit. So a proper input of sun, water, and soil will yield a healthy plant, Yes. Let's look at some of the inputs to the healthy Christian life that that bear fruit. I think first, let's read Psalm 1. Excuse me. 
says this, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. Okay, so that's pretty clear. First, we need to input God's law, God's word. We need to listen to God. And the primary way we listen to God is we read what he has spoken. We hear him in his word in the Bible. So that's an easy input, the word of God. Let's look at another verse. In Jeremiah 17, he says this in verse 7, Blessed is the man who trusts the Lord, whose trust is in the Lord. He is like a tree planted by water that sends out its roots by the stream and does not fear when heat comes, for its leaves remain green. It is not anxious in the year of drought, for it does not cease to bear fruit. So next we need to cultivate trust in the Lord, and I think the primary we do that is prayer. Right? When we're praying correctly, when we're praying rightly, we're, we're casting our worries and the things we're anxious about on the Lord. We're trusting God. Prayer is an exercise in reflection, connecting, confessing, repenting, worshiping, regardless of life circumstances. And in all of that, we cultivate trust. We turn over what we can't control to the Lord. And we do this, and we're invited into this in relational time with Him in prayer. So input two, I would say, is prayer. Let's look now at Hebrews 10. In verse 24, it says this, And let us consider how to stir one another up in love and good works, or fruit. Not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. So finally, we need time with each other. Right? We need time together. We need to stir one another up in good works and good fruit and good love. It's a time to study His Word together, to worship Him together, to pray and trust Him together, to read His Word, to worship, to pray, to come to the table with Him like we'll do this Sunday and every Sunday. Right? When we, when we gather together, we're, we're, it's an input that reinforces the good fruit and encourages us to bear it. I'm reflecting back on what Marshall walked us through last week. It's a, it's a call for internal reflection, but, but there's also a call here uh, for an external reflection on who we follow. It says in verse 40, a disciple is not above his teacher, but everyone when he is fully trained will be like his teacher. So the disciplines, the, the time in scripture, the time in prayer, and the time with God people, God's people absolutely matter, but the, the people who we spend time with matters too, right? Are we students of Christ or are we students of the world? If our fruit matters, then it certainly matters what type of leaders we follow. So we need to be careful to follow leaders and teachings that call us to produce fruit and repent of bad fruit, and leaders who they themselves are working to produce fruit and repenting of producing bad fruit. So just like trees at the end of the day need soil, water, and sun, we need God's Word, God's presence 
God's people and godly teaching to produce godliness. But if we keep following the metaphor, we'll realize that it breaks down at a point. So Jesus is saying, yes, bear fruit. The inputs matter in the type of fruit you bear. But also he says, but it matters what type of tree you are. At the end of the day, if we give a thorn bush sun, light, and water, or sun, water, and soil, rather, it's not going to start producing grapes at some point, right? That would, be, that would be counterintuitive. But if we give the grapevine water, sun, and soil, then, of course, it will produce grapes at some point. But Jesus says you're never going to get grapes or figs from a thorn bush or a bramble bush, it doesn't matter what the inputs are. Grapes aren't coming. And so if, if I'm honest, and I've, I've actually uh, I've confessed this to some brothers this week, if I'm honest, I like the, the input model because it's a task-based model. So for me, that means if I check the box of the input, then the output is coming. But at some point, I have to acknowledge that that's, that might not be true because I can check the box all day long and if I'm a thorn bush, I'm not going to start producing grapevine or grapes or figs. At some point, we have to acknowledge that the implants aren't enough. Are, the tree that we are has to be changed. I can't become a grapevine regardless of what I do. And I've sat with enough folks now to, to know this story. They'll say, Reed, I'm, I'm praying. I, I'm reading God's Word. I, I'm, I'm spending time in parish gatherings and on Sunday with people, with God's people. I'm putting the right inputs in, the right soil, the right sun, the right amount of water. And yet something is missing for me. Or maybe they'll say, I don't feel like something's missing, but the right inputs are happening, and I'm still producing the same thorns and the, th the same thistles. I don't see fruit. I see the same old sins. I want to bear good fruit, but I just keep getting thorns. So what, what hope is there for us who are thorn bushes? Now let's take another plant metaphor that Jesus gives us in the book of John, he says this, and I think it's pertinent to read it all. Jesus says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone doesn't abide in me, he is like a, a branch thrown away that withers thrown into the fire and burned. But if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. 
As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments, and I abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. So, this is not a coincidence that Jesus uses another gardening metaphor here, right? It's, it's too good to be true. It's like he, he realized that there was a thought that needed to be finished because, because he did. And Jesus says here, you, you can't. You can't change the tree you are apart from me. But he says, if you abide in me, you will be grafted into a better tree, a true vine. Only the true Savior, Jesus, can change the species of tree that we are. He changes what we are by nature from thorn bush to grapevine. So apart from Christ, this, this can't take place is what Jesus is saying. We, we can't change who we are. And Jesus will go on from this teaching in John to to eventually be crucified, taking God's wrath destined to fall on us and placing it on himself. On the cross, Jesus, what happens on his way up there? He gets literal thorns pushed into his brow. Right, and I, I think almost it's, it's our literal thorns that are pushed into his brow. Our produced sin in thorn form is pressed harshly into the brow of our Savior. And in doing so, we trade them for a true vine, grafted into a kingdom and a garden with a Father who prunes and gently tends to us. So by placing our faith in Him, by abiding in Him, we're delivered into a kingdom, a garden of God. And in Jesus' resurrection, we're too destined to raise again, but not as, not as old trees, but as new ones. Not as our old flesh, but as new flesh, fruit-bearing, righteous, perfect in every way. So we should trust Him with the process. We should pray to Him. We should seek what He has said by His Word. And we should fellowship with one another, encouraging each other to do the same. We can input quiet time uh, in the Word and in prayer and parish gatherings and podcasts and books until the sun goes down, but at the end of the day, we might still only bear thorns. But it's until we place our faith in Christ and abide in Him and allow us to transform us altogether that we'll see fruit. And I think that's the beauty of once we're really crafted into the new vine, the true vine, that's when these inputs really start to flourish, right? That's when the inputs are redeemed, that we work out of who we are, out of the type of tree that we are. The inputs really matter at this point. But the inputs can never change who we are. They can't change our ability to produce fruit. God has to change our identity, our very nature. He has to change the tree we are, and he's done so in his son. So in light of our, as we wrap up this morning, in light of our new identity, the inputs on their own, obviously, aren't all that there is, right? 
as the verse continues, Jesus goes on to say this, the good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good, and the evil out of the evil treasure produces evil, for out of the abundance of our heart, his mouth speaks. So if our inputs are studying God's word, spending time cultivating trust with him in prayer, and time with his people, I think as we're transformed into, uh, grafted into the true vine, these inputs stop just being tasks that we check off and start to transform into things that we treasure. Right, this has to transition for me from a task to a treasure. I begin to abide in Christ fully when I start to treasure time in his word, when I treasure time with him in prayer, when I treasure the trust that he cultivates in me, when I treasure time with his people, his church, imperfect as we might be, when I treasure worshiping him, hearing his word, partaking in the feast of his body and blood at the table, that's when we'll start to bear real fruit. Well, the thing about this is that it takes time, right? As we become new in Christ, these things take time. But we know that we're not alone. Jesus says that he sends the helper, his Holy Spirit, to enable change so we can change from task to treasure. And the Holy Spirit is in the business of changing our nature. And time is a necessary ingredient in this. I mean, this, this is the test that Jesus gives us for discipleship, right? He says, from the treasure of our heart, we will produce the fruit of speech and action. That's the test. We can look at how we act and how we speak as a test to see how the Holy Spirit is working on us. But the reality is, as believers, we've been promised that this, will, this work will be uh, hard and long, but that it will be complete eventually. So if you're if you're downtrodden or, or discouraged this morning, I, I say take hope in the promise of what God has said through His Spirit, that this work will take time, but it will be complete. You will grow in love. You will grow in joy and peace and in patience. You'll grow in faithfulness and gentleness and kindness and goodness and self-control. But it will take time. And it will take the right soil and the right sun and the right water, and you won't always perfectly input them right. But in time, he is a good gardener. He will cultivate it. Let's take a look at how this section ends in chapter 6. We didn't read it, but this is what Jesus goes on to say. He says, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I tell you? Everyone who comes to me and hears my word and does them, I will show you what he is like. He is like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. And when a flood arose, the streams broke against the house and could not shake it because it had been well built. But the one who hears and does not do is like a man who built his house on the ground without a foundation. And when the stream broke against it, immediately it fell and the ruin of that house was great. So treasuring God and asking the Holy Spirit to help us treasure the things of God is our foundation. 
It's the foundation Jesus is talking about. We need to read his word and apply it to our lives. We need to trust him. And in accordance with his word, we live lives with each other, right? Reminding each other what is true, reminding each other what we're chasing after, encouraging one another when we fail, bearing one another's burdens. Christ is the foundation we need. And so to the unbeliever in the room, let me say this. Bearing good fruit, the fruit of godliness is impossible without trusting in who Jesus is and what he's done. Believing in him and surrendering to him, which simply means we recognize our thorn bush, the thorn bush for what it is. And we recognize that we have to be truly changed. And we trust him to actually do it. We would, we would love to engage with you this morning if you're not a believer. We would love to talk to you about what this could look like and what this means. And I'm sure that if you come to a neighborhood parish or the people around you uh, this week, any one of those people I trust would, would love to walk with you in what it looks like to change our species, our nature I want to encourage you to find that opportunity now. There's no better time. It's not, it's, there's not some future time when you'll figure this out coming. It's, this is it. So would you engage with it? We'd love to walk with you in any doubt, any question you have. And for the believer in the room, I say this, as we come to the communion table this morning, would you come in gratitude for the tree, for the grapevine, for the, the new person that you are? In gratitude for the fruit that you're able to actually bear now. Look, maybe there's shame regarding some thorns that were produced this week or, or some dead or diseased fruit. But would you come and offer that in repentance to him and trade the sorrow for the glory of who he is and what he's done. And as Marshall said last week, he meets us where we are, right? This is what the judging uh, story is all about in John, where the woman caught in adultery, nobody judges her. But Jesus says to her, I don't condemn you, but go and sin no more. That's the posture we approach this morning. Let's come offer up our failures in repentance and go and sin no more. So come and acknowledge your need for him and eat as one who abides in the true vine. And as we leave here as those sent to bear fruit, I would encourage us to do it to each other and to our world. For by our love and the unity of the fruit that we bear, God will use us to reach his people. And there's his people right now in Houston that simply don't know it yet. And he's invited us to be part of that knowledge, part of wisdom being spoken into the foolish places. So would we go pick up the responsibility and spread it this, this week? And we'll be encouraged when we fail to keep inputting the good things of God together. Let's pray.
Father, we trust you with this process. Lord, I confess that I might, I, I'm not producing the fruit that I want yet. I'm not producing the fruit that you want yet. But Lord, I praise you and worship you and give you the glory for the, the fruit that you've produced in me up to this point. I won't belittle the gift that your Holy Spirit has given me. I glorify you for it. But Lord, will you complete the work in us that you've said you'll complete? Would you, by your Spirit, graft us? Would you, Jesus, by your by your gentle hand, prune us, shape us in correction, in encouragement with one another in love. Lord, will we be a congregation that is marked by faithfulness, by gentleness, by love, by, by goodness, by kindness, by self-control? Certainly not for our own glory, but for yours. Lord, would people see us as a church and say, there's something different about the way that they treat each other and the way they've treated me? And would in response to that, we would give you glory and invite them in and say, you can be changed here because we've all been changed here. Lord, we pray for the soil to be ready in Montrose for revival. We ask that you would hasten the day when when more and more of your people in Houston who don't know that they're your people in Houston hear and respond to the truth of your grace and goodness. Lord, as we come to the table this morning, if we're hurt or broken or shamed or down pray that we would come as believers and be reminded of what you've done and who we are. I pray that all of us would come away this morning and be reminded of the types of trees that we are, the type of new people we are in you, Lord, and we would use that to exhibit the gifts, the, the fruits to one another. Lord, we love you. We trust you with the process. We trust you. We worship you and praise you this morning. Would you, would you comfort us? Would you, would you continue to cultivate this garden for your glory? We pray this in your name. Amen.